The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Small things, big difference. And um, today, by God's grace, we are landing the series. Um, so this is the concluding part of small things, big difference. Many times, we look at people's lives, particularly people that have achieved the things we want to achieve. People that have been that have done great things. People that are, have have taken territories. People that are like captains of industry or spiritual giants. You know and we, we say to ourselves, what are the big things they are doing that we are incapable of doing? So we, we see someone that is successful in business, for instance, and we say, what are the big things that he's doing that I can't do? Or someone successful in, in, in their marriage, or someone successful in their work with God. And, and the question we often ask is, or what we often look for are the big things they are doing that is bringing about the big results they are getting. And we are learning in this series that it is actually the small things that no one sees that make the big difference that everybody wants in every area of life. It is the small things that no one sees that makes the big difference that everybody wants. So if you check properly anyone that is doing what you are believing God for, it is usually the small things that they are doing that no one sees that is bringing about the big difference that everyone wants. So we we started by, um, in the past two series, by showing us that everything starts with, with what? Everything. And it's usually the thought that triggers the big things. So, our thoughts determine our attitude. Our attitude. Our attitude determines our, our words. Our attitude determines our words. Our words determine our our actions. And our actions determine our, our habits. And ultimately, our habits determine our, our destiny. Everyone 
want a glorious destiny, right? And you will get it in Jesus' name. <laughs> but it is the small things that no one sees that makes the big difference that everyone wants. So everything starts with the thoughts. If you see someone that maybe has a growing, thriving marriage, and you are struggling with your marriage, it usually starts where? With the mind, with the thoughts. Then we looked at the following week, the words, because our thoughts determine the words. The words you speak, they are life. The tongue has the power of life and death. So if you don't have something helpful to say, <laughs> shut up. Now, today, we, we said we would look at actions, but, I mean, considering it and turning it around, you know, actions repeated over time form habits. So, we will look at habits and look at the small things that no one sees that actually become the big thing that everyone wants. The habit are the things that you do, the little things, seemingly, that you do over and over and over. And because you do them over and over and over, they make a big difference in your life. When you take the actions, the first action, second action, third action, over and over, it forms a pattern in your mind and it becomes easy for you to repeat and it actually defines your destiny. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is we are what we repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. You know how great you are going to be? Take this one week. What did you do? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, here you are on Sunday. What are the things that you have done repeatedly? What are the things? You don't need to be a prophet to tell. What are the things that, what are the thoughts that have filled your mind repeatedly, that has led to words that you have spoken repeatedly over yourself to people, and has led to actions that you have taken repeatedly? So we see that habits are formed on the backbone of, of discipline. Habits are formed on the backbone of routine. Thank you. Habits are formed on the backbone of routine. So when, if you want to change something, you need to change the routine. You need to change the discipline. So how many people here would say that I am a highly disciplined person? There's nothing to be ashamed about. Put up your hand. I'm a highly disciplined person. Super duper highly disciplined. Look around. Just one person. Two people. Just two people. And I'm sure they are men. 
<laughs> you can put down your hands. Now, now I'm not I'm not gender biased. You know, I just know that women. <laughs> now, just two people. Now, how many people would say that? Not so real, so highly disciplined. I can be disciplined, but I'm not so. Majority, majority, majority. But you see, the truth is that it's not so. Everyone is highly disciplined. You are highly disciplined doing something. discipline doing something. You see, um, 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 a pastor was talking to, a, a pastor friend of mine was talking to his, his, some guy in his church, and he was sharing this, and he was saying that the guy was a fat guy, you know, always um, eating pizza with this giant Coke bottle, playing game for like, computer games for like six, seven hours of the day. He only gets up to open the door for the pizza man, the delivery man. And, and, and he said to the pastor that, that, you know, I'm not very disciplined. I'm not disciplined like you are. You know, I wish I could, you know, have a flat tummy, have some biceps, have some, you know, but, you know, but I'm just not disciplined. And the pastor said to him that you are actually very disciplined. And the guy was like, disciplined? He says, you eat pizza consistently. Yes, 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 I'm very disciplined at eating pizza. Yes, 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 yes. Then you order ice cream. Say, oh, I'm very disciplined at eating ice cream. I mean, then you are disciplined at playing computer games for six hours. Who does that? Says, I am very disciplined. So, it's, Pastor, it's actually very easy. You sit down and you play the thing. And you play the thing. And you play the thing. So, Pastor, say, you see, you are very disciplined. So, if you think... You are very disciplined. Let me see your hands. <laughs> now, all the hands should be up. All the hands, because you, we all are disciplined. But you are disciplined doing things you want now. Instead of being disciplined and doing the things you want most. And that's what makes a huge difference. You know, um, Pastor Craig um, Groeschel um, puts it this way. He says, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. It's choosing between what you want now in every area of success you have. If you have good health, you usually have chosen what you want most over what you want now. If you have a, a great business, you have chosen what you want most over what you want now. If you have a great marriage, you have chosen what you want most over what you want now. If your finances are in order, you are financially disciplined, you have chosen what you want most over what you want now. And guess what? If you're not healthy because of your lifestyle, you have chosen what you want now over what you want most. If you take every marriage that is in trouble, 
are filled with two people that choose what they want now. I will spite you back now. I will draw my own blood now. I will over what they want most. If you check every business that is struggling, if you check every nation that remains undeveloped, you have people that are in the ends of affairs that we choose what they want now over what the whole nation wants most. But today we are on the personal level. So when, why are, so you could ask yourself, why am I so inconsistent? Why am I so inconsistent? And that is where, I mean, we are going to, um, I pray God will help us to do some justice there. Romans 7. Romans 7. This is Paul, Apostle Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. From verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Does, does anybody know that feeling? This was Paul. He didn't say before. He says now. He was struggling as an apostle. I know some of us like to believe it was in his past life, but no, no, it wasn't. Read the Bible well. Verse 19. No, 17. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Verse 19. I want to do what is good, but <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, <laughs> what does that mean? I am not really the one doing wrong. Is, is, is Paul trying to pass the buck here? Is he, is he trying to not take responsibility here? No, 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 no. It's, it's showing us how it works. So I am not the one doing it anyway. It says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not the one doing the wrong. It is who? It is sin. Living where? Living abroad. <laughs> in the kitchen cabinet. Sin living in the ice cream. Sin living in the pizza. Sin living in the bear. The bottle of cold Gouda. Sin living in the cigarette. Sin living where? <laughs> that does it. Uh, go on. Go on to 24, yeah. He says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will set me free? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And that is a dilemma. You see, if you, if you find that you are struggling, you are in right company. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so, so Paul was saying, I have a problem. 
And obviously, he didn't stop there. He gave us the solution. But I, want, I just wanted to still there for, for a little while. So he was saying that, look, there's a problem here. I'm a miserable person because the things I don't want to do, that's the thing, exact thing I am doing. So it means that there's something else at work in me. That is called sin. When you recognize that you are a child of God and what is making you eat that pizza, let's just stay with pizza, okay? Take that ice cream, take that red meat, take all the things that are junk food that are not good for you is something else in you, not you. What is that thing that makes you you addicted to pornography? You don't want to, but that thing in you, that's the first step. To recognize that you are a child of God. That thing in you is responsible. So, a child of God steals from the office and he gets fired or she gets fired. That's a bad testimony for Jesus, for the church. However, the child of God is a child of God. It is the sin in the child of God that caused him to do that. And he's not passing the buck. It's the first step to deliverance. It's the first step away from condemnation. It's the first step to realize that something else is at play here. So, so what's, what's, what's the solution? Verse 24 to 25. Can, can you pull it up? It says, says, oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in who? Is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came to conquer sin so that sin does not conquer us. Jesus came to give us the answers. Now, it is a thank God the answers are, the ten, are in the ten steps to having a good habit. Thank God the answers are in the principles of good habits. So, what Paul was saying is that the answer is not a principle. The answer is a person. The answer is a person. When your work with Jesus becomes vibrant, the hold of sin becomes non-existent. It's so important that we realize that with the help of Christ, I can be all that God has called me to be. By the power of Christ, I can overcome. Last week, we, 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 we reiterated that Christ in me is greater than every appetite, wrong appetite in me. And we said that, over. do you remember? So Christ in me is greater. So, what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. By the power of Christ, 
we will choose what we want most over what we want now. By the power of Christ, we will choose not in our self-will, not in our self-strength, not with our self-motivation, but by the power of Christ, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. So every time you have to choose between what you want most and what you want now, what should you rely upon? The power of Christ. Why? Because it is the person of Christ that gives life to the principles. We should learn the principles. We should know how to operate the principles. But it is the person of Christ that gives life, that gives us strength, that gives life to the principles. If you go with just principles, 20 ways to have a good habit, before you know it, you are struggling because it's dogma. But with Christ in you, if those 20 ways are right for you, they will work for you. Praise the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I mean, this is so, so, so powerful. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. It says, all athletes are disciplined. Everybody say disciplined. In their training. Everybody disciplined something. But all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that, fade, that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal purpose. And you need to keep that in perspective. All athletes are disciplined in their training. You cannot compete if you are not disciplined in your training. For you to be in contention, you have to be what? Disciplined in your training. And he was talking to the Corinthian church. And the Corinth, in Corinth, I mean, there's this um, games that, that is called Ishmael, and that game obviously evolved in, in Greece and all that, and, and evolved to what we have, the Olympics today. So that game, the athletes compete under some amazingly strenuous conditions. They go to what, what they call the gymnasium. The, the, the word gym that we use today, <laughs> gymnasiums are like amphitheaters that are not roofed. And the athletes are there morning and night in the cold, training. So when you say you're going to a gym, you're going to a gym with AC, you know, there's water bottle, you know, and you're all dressed up and you take a selfie, you know. And, you know, no, 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 that's not the gym. The gym is like, it's like training, it's like torture chamber. And when they are training to be the fastest, they actually strip naked. Shocking. So, you know, when I think it's Romans 12 that says that we should strip away all the weight and sin that does easily beset us. The picture there is take off all your clothing. And that is what the athlete does. The athlete does not give a damn. Can you please bring up that scripture and keep it up um, for a while? 
Thank you. So he is disciplined in his training. And for 10 months, they are there. 10 months before the event. And guess what? The Bible says to us, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. Now, to the Corinthian church, they, they easily understood the prize that will fade away. But for us, we need to really unpack it to really understand it. Do you know what this price, do you know the price they get? They get a crown of leaves. Can you put up that picture? In, in, in 20, 2004 Olympics, in Athens, to, to, to commemorate the, or to link it to the origin, when they gave them the gold medal, this, I think Michael Phelps of, of the US, when they gave them the gold medal, they also gave them this crown of grass. In those days, there was no gold medal. They just arranged grass and put it on their head. So Paul was saying, these guys go through all this training just to get grass on their head that will fade away. You are going through your training for a glorious crown that will not fade away. Hallelujah. So who should take his training more seriously? But fortunately, people don't want to train again these days. People don't want to train. You, your glorious destiny is waiting. But you have to train yourself for the right habits so that you can take hold of your destiny. So, so what I'm saying is this. You are actually running to maximize your God-given destiny. That's why you're running. To maximize your God-given destiny. You're not competing against anybody. You're competing against yourself. To maximize your God-given destiny. So the habits you need to form, the pain you need to go through, is nothing compared to the glory that is waiting for you. So if this athlete can do that for a crown of leaves, Praying for three hours every night from 12 for one week. Is it too hard? Is it too much? How can that be too much? Reading your Bible every day for 15 minutes to get in shape. Is it too, is it too hard for your glorious destiny? Is it, is it, is it asking for too much? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, don't you realize that in a race, even though they are all training, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So, run to participate. It was, is that what is there? So, just run. It's just in the participation. You won't find that in the Bible. It says, run to win. Run to win. 
Let's keep up this script. Keep it up. Run to win. In life, you have to want to win. You know, you can't. If you sit down like the fat guy, you only get up to open the door for the pizza man. You are playing video games for six, seven hours in a day. You are drinking a huge can of Coke. And you know that you, 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 you want to earn some money. You need to work. So you need to get some skills. So you have to pass some exams. So you need to read and study. When is time to read? Do you read to win? When it's time to engage with life, do you engage with life to win? And guess what? If you are able, or you should actually practice, for, for those of you that play games or sports, you should actually practice to win in whatever sport as a practice for life. So that you can form the habit. You know, winning is a habit. Winning is a habit. Some people just have the habit of winning. You should have the habit of winning because you're a child of God. Praise the name of the Lord. So don't engage life without zest. Don't engage life without passion. Don't engage life. Oh, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We are just living life, you know. When we get to heaven, in the marriage supper, I'll say to God, in large assembly, there'll be no more crying, no more weeping. Goodbye to sorrow. Victory at last. Now listen, 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 listen. If you read the Bible at all, Revelations is filled with to him that overcometh. To him that overcometh, give the crown of life. To him that overcometh. To it is not when you get there. The overcoming is where? Here and now. And it's actually overcoming now that gives you a crown. There. So you have to run to win. You have to play to win. You have to engage to win. You, there's no other option. Will you win any, every time? No. The fact that you didn't win doesn't mean you're not a winner. You, you didn't win, so bloody what? You get up again and try again. You didn't win again, then so? But I am a winner. You get up again and you try again. Winners don't quit. Quitters don't, don't win. You have to keep at it. Run to win. Say to your neighbor, run to win. Run to win. Don't just run for participation. You don't get back. Run to Run to win. Run to win. Say, well, Pastor, I'm not very competitive. You know, I am just a, um, a chilled babe that, you know, ice cannot melt in my mouth. You know, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I'm, you know. <laughs> Fight to win. Fight to win. You can't just coast through life. You, I mean, and if you, if you look at that scripture, it says, soon run to win. Run 
to win. The person that is running to win is not running for second place. Oh, after all, I tried. I came second. <laughs> Praise God. But next time, please, run to all athletes. Everybody say all. All athletes are disciplined in their training. And you see, training involves repetition. Training involves, in fact, every teacher knows this. Every teacher, every trainer, every coach, anyone that is in education, any form of education, knows that the power of education is in repetition. So, but the unlearned person says, I am bored. I am bored. It's just repetition. You can't be great if you are not comfortable with repetition. Repetition is not bad. Boring doesn't mean anything. It's only children that need to be given something else when they are bored. When you are an adult, disciplined in their training. Disciplined in their training. You know, I was listening to one of, um, one of um, one, a golf coach, you know, he's a renowned golf coach, and he was um, saying that how the, the, the female LPGA is dominated by Asian ladies, and the men, the Asians are coming, you know, taking a lot of spaces, and it's fine. And he says he loves training Asian kids now. He's American. And they said to him, why? Why do, why do you prefer to train Asian kids and not American kids? He says he loves American kids, but he just prefers to train Asian kids. Why? Because he says when there's a drill, because, you know, you can't, for instance, golf. You can't be, great in, be good in golf if you don't just do drills. They are just repetition, mindless repetition. Pastor Dami taught us on Wednesday that what our subconscious mind controls 95% of our actions, 95%. So what drills does to you, it burns it into your subconscious mind. So you're standing over the ball, you just go, boom. You have hit the ball before knowing what you have done. So he said that the American kids, let's say they have a drill of 50 repetitions. He says when they've done 10, they'll be telling him, oh, can they have a break? Oh, can they eat um, uh, some ice cream? Okay, will they get ice cream when they get to 20, you know? He says, for the Asian kid, you tell him 50. He says, can I do 75? Can I do 75? Can I do 100? Can I? Then they, they compete in the same competition. Who will win? You see, and that's how life is. Disciplined in their training. If you're not serious about training, you can't be serious about winning. Discipline. In your life, in your body, you have to be disciplined. You have to bring your body under. You have to be disciplined in your ah, routine. Everyone say routine. Routine is good for me. Say it. Routine is good for me. <laughs> you know, my wife and I sometimes we counsel um, Couples, you know, and um, um, this service is PG-18, right? 
Is anybody lower than 18 here? MC, your hands up. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, but I'll still play safe. You know that um, intimacy thing, you know, the, the letter S that is not sausage, that happens in marriage. You understand that? Okay, all the adults understand that. So, so when there are no, the sausages have grown cold. There are no sausages in the house anymore. So we, we and, and we're like, but we, 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 we've not been eating sausage for a while. So we say to them, bring up a calendar. So they bring a calendar. And we say, by statistics, the healthy marriages must eat sausages three times a week. Average. So when do you want to eat your sausage? <laughs> is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Is it, you know? If you've gone for three times and you do two times, it's fine. If you've gone for three times and you do five times, beautiful. So my wife and I will mark the calendar for them. Boom, 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 boom. You know? And we, you're accountable. We're going to ask you. You know, that's trouble. You know? Then every time, almost every time, one of the, of the, of the couple, whether it's sometimes the husband, sometimes the wife, would say, but pastor, wouldn't that be monotonous? Wouldn't that be repetition? It's routine. It would be boring. <laughs> and I say, how do you get your appetite back when you have not eaten? If you fasted for a long time and you've lost your appetite, how do you get your appetite back? It's by eating. You get your appetite back by eating. So you get your appetite for sausage by, by eating sausage. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when you walk sausage into the plan, before you know it, it says three. You are going for four and five. Hallelujah. Praise God. And pastor down need to blow the whistle. It's okay, it's okay. I'm the umpire here. I'm the umpire. I'm the umpire. So we see that ah, actions, when they need to undergo repetition and become routines, and it is the routines that you discipline yourself in that becomes habits. And it is the habit that flows effortlessly through you that determines the big D. So, since we are on the marriage team, for instance, now, you, you, this love is cold in the marriage. Then you say you agree to, with your spouse or with your wife, I'm going to take you out once a week. Routine. But you are afraid when you say, because I can I take you out once a week? I'm, I'm very busy. But you commit to it. Then it becomes a habit. Then you have a great marriage. That's how it works. If you see any great marriage, there's a habit. There's something they are doing repeatedly that is making it work. If you see a great business, there's a habit. There's something they are doing what? Repeatedly, repeatedly to make it work. Why? Because those things you do repeatedly enter into your subconscious 
And it is your subconscious that determines the decisions, 95% of the decisions you make come from your subconscious. Praise the name of the Lord. Same thing with education. If you want to be excellent, same thing. Have a routine. How many hours am I going to read a day? It's okay, but it's difficult. Continue reading. Continue reading. Before you know it, it becomes what? A habit. After that, you are topping your class. Everybody wants to be like you. And like, what is the big thing you are doing? And you tell them, no, it's the small things that no one says. That makes the that everybody wants. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, what I'm saying in essence is this. Every successful person has a routine. Go and do the research. You find out. Every, whether they are Christians or not, every successful person has a routine. 1 Corinthians 9, 26-27, quickly, 1 Corinthians 9, 26-27 says that, so run with purpose. Everybody say purpose. Run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You can train your body to do what it should. You can. You can train your body. For some people, the training may be just five hours. For some people, it is five days. But you see, guess what? As far as I'm concerned, I don't care. As long as it takes, I'm going to get it. And that's how you can train your body. You can train your body to do anything. Every, with purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. So, so what if, Pastor, what if I've entered a negative cycle? What if I have a habit that is negatively impacting my life? Or how do I generate positive habits that will change my life dramatically? I'm going to take you through um, the process very quickly, and you need to just pay attention. And when you get this, you, you find out that you're you are, you are in control. You're, you're just in, you, you can determine the course of your life. You can. So, every habit is called um, the habit loop. Every habit, good or bad, Always start with a trigger. Don't be so. <laughs> I'm asking the expert. It always starts with a trigger. Every habit always starts with a good or bad. Then it leads to to routine. So the trigger triggers the routine. Then you go through the motions. You go through the routine. Then, guess what? There is a reward. For every habit. Good or bad. The people on drugs, 
The reward is the eye. But that eye is nothing compared to the Holy Ghost eye. Praise the name of the Lord. For the people that are, that are addicted to food, the reward is, oh, satisfaction they are getting from the food. The apple, the ogbono, you know. Whatever it is. If someone says that bad habits doesn't have reward, it's a lie. God never said that. Good habits have reward. Bad habits have reward. But that's not the end of the cycle. Because after the trigger has triggered the routine and the routine has, has led to, um, to the reward, it always leads to one of these two. It always leads to rejoicing or regret. So after the high, after the drunken state, I will drink and forget my sorrow. You forget your sorrow for six hours. Then you wake up to the hangover, right? Then begin to vomit, make a mess of yourself. Then you regret you've done it. Then what happens again? Trigger happens. The trigger happens. It takes you out completely. Because the routine is now working in your subconscious. You are, you, it, it, it's as if you don't have power over it. Then, then you get the reward. Then, then it leads to, to regret. Then, then you cool off for a while. Oh, I won't do it. Then you promise God heaven and earth. You say to God, I, I, I promise I'll give you heaven. Then the trigger happens. Then what happens again? The routine kicks in. So how do you take control? Now, for, for, um, if you have some coding experience background, there's subroutines and routines and functions. Uh, a body of code that functions by themselves. You know that, right? So the routine, if you, if you call the routine, if you call the function, it will run. So, once the trigger calls the function, boom, it runs. So, how do I not go, let's say this is a negative cycle. How do I not go through this negative cycle? You need to put a conditional statement here. An if statement. It's called an if-then in software, in, right, in software engineering. In coding, if then. So, if this, if this trigger happens, don't do this routine. Go through routine B. And routine B will give you a different reward. I'll give you, a, I'll give you rejoicing at the end of the day. So, so, let me give you an example. Simple. Boom, 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 boom. Whenever, <laughs> whenever I watch Telemundo, not me, I'm talking about some ladies, just gossip, you know, and you see them kissing and, you know, your body just begins to do mushy, mushy. Then you, you, you send a text to Jake, hi Jake. 
and Jake knows you. I say, oh, hi. You want me to come over? Yes, Jake. Okay. So, trigger. If this text Jake, that's the normal routine. Or if this, get yourself into a compromised situation, right? So, if you see, I don't want to call it in China, so I don't have any issues in China. Um, such trigger, you have to deliberately have put in another routine that you will call. If this, I will call my life group leader. And say, there's fire on the mountain. And he or she will pray with me and guide me to that routine that I have agreed to before time, which is I'll switch it off. Ah, but I will miss all the story. Switch it off. I will go and jog, have a cold shower, and go to bed. Read my Bible. Whatever routine you want to put in place. So, trigger routine. Hallelujah. Uh, so I choose what I want most over what I want now because I control my triggers and I control my routines. You can because triggers are usually from your environment. You can control your environment. You can control your triggers. You can even put tri deliberate triggers. When the alarm goes off, this is what it means for me. And you see, I don't have to change all my habits at once. I don't have to change everything at once. The experts say. In fact, there's a book. And, and the author of the book said that there are keystone habits. That if you, if you can master a keystone habit, it creates a ripple effect all the other things that you want to do. For some people, a keystone habit is when they wake up in the morning and when they lay their beds, they say that they are in a clearer state of mind to make right choices. For Pastor Craig Groeschel, he said his keystone habit is flossing. That when he doesn't floss, he goes late for meetings, he's very irritable at work, he speaks to, the, to his wife impatiently. He, so, but when he flosses, he feels confident about himself. I don't know. I can't explain it. But that is his keystone habit. And different people have different keystone habits. I mean, I, I have mine. My keystone habit is when I wake up in the morning, I must hit the ground. I must just go on my knees and hit the ground and go before God and, and worship him. When I don't do that, I'm a dangerous person to be with. I begin to misbehave. <laughs> I begin to shout on my colleagues. I begin to be impatient with my wife. I begin to, yeah. But when I do that, I'm able to pray more. I'm able to worship. I'm, able, I'm patient at work. I'm patient at, at play. I'm patient at, <laughs> at home. What is your keystone habit? And 
I have another kid story a bit. I have, I have a couple, you know, and they are, they are very powerful. You see, 89% of millionaires, a study was shown, 89% of them, of us, I know it's by faith. I know you as a pastor, you're a man of faith. Yes, I'm a man of faith. 89% of us sleep more than seven hours a day. On the contrary, sleeping is a keystone habit for 89% of highly successful people. Sleeping. Just Albert Einstein says he has to sleep for at least 10 hours. So that it can be productive in his day. The day he doesn't sleep for 10 hours, he says he can't achieve anything. He says, <laughs> Don't say, uh, your husband said to the wife, now you see my, my kids don't have to sleep in. No? <laughs> don't go and disturb a genius at work. Genius at work. You put it on, the, on your door, <laughs> the front of your door. Steve Jobs, one of the, my opinion, most productive guy in our time, says, he was having an interview at Stanford University and, and they asked him this question, what are your keys to an habit? What are the things that when you do, you align, everything just falls into place, all the habits are working. And he says this, he says, for 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And, and, and whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. That's his key to an habit. He wakes up every morning, he stands in front of the mirror, and he asks himself, oh boy, this thing you want to do today, if today were your last day on earth, would you do it? This meeting you want to attend, if today was your last day on earth, would you attend this? This business you are chasing, if today is your last day on earth, would you chase it? That's a keystone habit. I've given you a lot of keystone habits. I've given you two of mine. You need to find it. What is, maybe to start with, start with your desire. What is that one desire? What is that one thing? What do you want most? If God were standing beside you now and says to you, Amina, what do you want most? Write it down. What would it be? Think about it if you don't have a pen. What do you want most right now? What do I want most? I want to lose 15 kg. I want to quit drinking. I want to get rid of my porn addiction. I want to choose to be close to God again. I want to be close to God again. That's what I want most. What do you want most? What do you want most? I want to be free from debt. I want to have financial freedom. What do you want most? Once you've established that, then ask yourself, What is that routine? What is that discipline? 
What do you need to do now to have what you want most? To lose 15 kg, maybe you need to pay for a very no-nonsense instructor and pay maybe 100k a month for your instructor. You see, that's, uh, you have to go for that training. You know, maybe not as that as high as that, but something that will pinch you. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? I want to be promoted at work. What? How am I adding value? What value do I need to add? How does my attitude need to change? What do I need to do now to have what I want most? I want financial freedom. Maybe I need to begin to trust God with my tithe. If you can't trust God with your tithe, you've not even started really. That's just basic elementary stuff. That's entry kindergarten stuff. There are more thicker things to talk about. So, what do you need to do now? that we deliver the things that you want most. Realize that with Christ's help, you can do it. I mean, if what you want most, for instance, is I want to get married. That's what I want most. What do I need to do now? I want to get married to a man that is blessed. Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't want to get married to a parked car or an entity. The man that has the blessing of God upon his life. So what do I need to do now? It's simple. If the man has the blessing of God upon his life, the word of God says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. Make sure you are not sorrow now. Because it won't be added. Oh, should I take it again? <laughs> Maybe I should take it again. Okay, let me flip it out. Let me flip around. You're a guy. I want to get married. That's what I want most. What do I need to do? Now, hmm. the word of God says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and has obtained favor from, from God. So it means that you can't want to find a good wife and be a stranger to God's presence. what I need to do now. So, what do I need to do now to get the wife that will be God's favor? I need to dwell in God's presence. I need to be a person of his presence. Otherwise, the one you will get, eh? 
And I can go on and on and on. What do I need most? And you discover, you discover what we have discovered in this series. That it is actually the small things that no one sees that makes the big difference that everybody wants. Because you will be faithful in the little things, God will put you in charge of great things. Say amen. Come on. Because you will be faithful in the small things, God will increase your influence and your capacity for big things. Because you will be faithful in little things. The results you will get will be great and monumental in the mighty name of Jesus. You will be that person that people will look at and say, what is that big thing you are doing that you are getting these big, big results? What is that big thing you are doing that we are unable to do that you are getting these big, big results? And you will say to them, it is the small things that no one sees that is making all the big difference that you now want. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Father, we thank you. It is the small things that no one sees that makes the big difference that everybody wants. You're like, Pastor, I want to make that step, that small step, seemingly small step of drawing near to God so that God can draw near to me. I want God in my life. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Or I've never be born again. I want to be born again. I used to be born again. Can I come back to God? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, wherever you are seated, your, your parents may be pastors, but you know that you are far from God. Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, and we'll pray together. That is me, Pastor. God bless you. Right there. God bless you right there. Your parents, I don't know why this is coming to me now. Your parents can be pastors. God bless you. Pastors, children, God is calling you. God bless you. That is me. Put up your hand. God bless you. And say, but I'm not a pastor's kid. Can I come? Of course you can. Put up your hand. I want a walk with God. And I'll pray with you in a bit. Anybody else? That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. I want to start a walk with God. I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. That is me. You put up your hand. Put it up well over your head. I will pray together. If you are online, instructions are scrolling. God bless you. God bless you. Another hand there. Another hand there. Another hand right there at the back. God bless you. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Keep your hands up until you get the card. That is me. Oh, Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. They've taken this small step in your direction, Father. According to your word, take the big step in their direction. Let the small things that they are doing now, calling unto you, make the big difference in their life and eternity. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We pray for every one of us. 
the grace to be all that you have called us to be. The grace to run to win. The grace to pay attention to the little things that makes a big difference in our lives given to us. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are free. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus for his kindness, his mercy.